Welcome to Let's Talk, Ed and Zahi. We are talking about uh, things we can do to serve our students, um, basically through education and different ways that we can do that. And and starting off with one of the things that, that you commonly see as students enter college is those dreaded placement exams. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to add to it that I want to put uh, a particular emphasis on serving the students that we have, not the students that we wish we had. And uh, placement exams are high stakes exams that have been used for decades and candidly aren't necessarily aimed at creating the meritocracy that we ever hoped that it would. Uh, because time and again, irrespective of the of the uh, agency that puts it out, it tends to favor particular zip codes, particular ethnic groups, particular socioeconomic groups. And think about it. You know, there are so many academies that train individuals for those exams, be it a GRE, be it, be it an ACT, be it a college placement exam, where now it's predominantly with AccuPlacer. So the reality of what we need to do, in my opinion, and the experiences of others and the empirical data that has been published by so many, is that we need to allow the student to have a say. We need to look at their GPA, that it tends to be a higher, more, more closely correlated to their abilities and more rounded than just a snapshot at one point in time of one particular or two particular, and then getting the students to develop rather than putting them through prerequisite developmental education and hoping they're, they're going to remember by the next term, supporting them in time and on demand. Yeah, and you know, of course, for some of the reasons that you you mentioned, you have seen uh, prestigious four-year universities going away from using the ACT and SAT, for example. And you know, for many many years, like that was one of the ways that that colleges would say, "Well, we know how good of a student somebody is when they come into our institution." Uh, in some cases, when they were selective institutions, they were using that as as a way to say, you know, okay, everybody above this line is the kind of student that we want. Uh, you know, what, what you were seeing, you know, trickle down beyond that is, you know, yes, I understand the, the idea. We want to have some baseline where our students are, particularly at the community college level where you can have a wide variety of students coming from so many different backgrounds. Uh, so we can make sure we aren't dropping them in a, a class that is going to sink them immediately. Like that's that's the thought behind it. And I, I, I get that. But those tests are high stakes. Um, and, and you do run into uh, people that don't test well, even. They may be brilliant people, but they don't test well. Uh, and and that's that's difficult. And, you know, it, it's a little disappointing if you go in and 
you had a bad day and you you didn't test well and now suddenly you know here you are in in this remedial class or or something you know that that you think you might not need to do but there you are and it's frustrating for students it is demeaning it is frustrating <laughs> it leads to those individuals taking uh, out loans and not being to able to show uh, a credential that is commensurate with the time that they spent. Uh, but there's a flip side is you're going to he hear from many uh, people, and I heard it this week, so I'm a little bit, uh, I've got to burn my saddle about this. Um, the, oh, they can give you one example. They can give you two examples. They can give you three examples, but they've seen tens of thousands of students. So, yes, we always have that individual that in spite of everything, despite the whole world being dumped on them, they're going to be that next astronaut. Absolutely. But those are the rarities. That's not what our society needs. That's not what our employers expect. That's not what's going to take us to the next level. And, and placement exams, like any of those uh, uh, high-stakes exams are nothing more than standardized exams. We hate them. We, we share it, you know, within small groups or, or we, we scream it in, in meetings that we hate standardized exams and K through 12 should not be doing that. And what do we turn around and do? We do that. So I'm going to get off of that uh, uh, soapbox to say that the evidence is there. The evidence is there from institutions, multi-system uh, institutions, to entire states. And, and I constantly hear, oh, but my students. No, it's not your students, my students. The students, this evidence has been there for, for, for years now involving rural, suburban, and, and urban uh, students, uh, rich and poor, white and female, and black and, and, and tall and short and small and whatnot. The evidence is there that doing it a different way supports success, whereas doing it the same way continues the disenfranchisement. And you and I talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about Americans having less and less interest in higher education and seeing it as less valuable. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, most people working in higher education ultimately want to see our students be successful and want to support them along the way. And, and finding other ways to do that, you know, other than you know, here you go in, in this class, uh, it may take a little bit of thinking outside the box because obviously this is how it's been done for many, many years. So it, it's it's always easy in, in so many things to fall back on the, this is how we've always done it. And, you know, we're not advocating, at least I'm not advocating, and I'm pretty sure you're not advocating that we're going to say, okay, we're going to place everybody in the most advanced math class right out the gate. 
we're going to place you in, you know, uh, a high level composition class that is more geared for grad students than it is for a first year college student. That's not what we're saying. Surely um, not. Absolutely not. We, we all understand the scaffolding of learning and knowledge, right? So nobody's disagreeing with that. But you can't put prerequisites on an entry-level course, on an introductory-level course. Why is it introductory if you're going to have prerequisites for it, right? So support the students one day, once they hit the snag, and the snag is different between student A and student B, as opposed to assuming that there is one set of obstacles and forcing everybody into taking it before they take the class. So by the time they get to the class, so assume they take it in the fall for a spring semester. By the time they get to it in the spring semester, might as, might as well not, uh, not have taught them that. Right. And, and that's the importance of having, you know, and we've talked about all these different wraparound services before. And that's why it's so important that, you know, you, you have tutoring that is available for students when they need it um, and not. If, if, you know, Billy, you're struggling in math, you can come in Tuesdays from 10 to 12 and you can see our math tutor. Uh, you know, it needs to be more than that. It, it needs to be, you know, also finding ways to identify students that, you know, if, you know, if you have your, your STEM tracked students in this class and in this math class and, you know, they fall below a certain grade, we're going to do something, but your humanities, your career and technical, if if they fall below a, a B early on in the semester, maybe that's when you start looking at intervention type tools for them to make sure they know, hey, there's tutoring available. See, you know, hey, maybe you're not doing as well, but, you know, all of that takes time, effort, and money. So, we're going to dig a little bit more into uh, some of the, the things that we've talked about and, and some different ideas. If you enjoy topics like this, you can subscribe to us here on YouTube. Ring that bell down below. You'll get notified when we post new content. And, of course, you can find Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.